Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help inspire change. And today I'm joined by Carol Stewart and Rosie Reynolds. Carol Stewart describes herself as the coach for high achieving introverted women. This year, her book, Quietly Visible, Leading with Influence and Impact as an Introverted Woman, was published to great acclaim, drawing from her experience as an executive, career and business coach. Focusing on career, personal and leadership development, Carol delivers a wide range of workshops and training sessions designed for corporates and also individual progression. And she's been listed one of Britain's top 50 business advisors, named a We Are The City Rising Star Champion, And for three years running, LinkedIn named her one of the UK's top voices. Carol, welcome to the show. Hi, Julia. Thank you for having me here. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And joining Carol today, I'm delighted to welcome Rosie Reynolds. Rosie Reynolds is the Chief Commercial Officer at Aspect Capital, which is a $7.5 billion systematic investment manager. Since joining Aspect Capital some 15 years ago, Rosie has held various leadership roles and was appointed to the executive board in 2018, the year she was also listed as one of the 50 leading women in the hedge funds industry. Rosie juggles her career with raising four children and claims to be passionate about harnessing the best in every employee, mentoring small businesses and advises younger generations. And when she's not doing this, she's also learning how to paraglide in her spare time. Rosie, wonderful to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Not at all, Julia. Thank you very much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here with you and Carol today. It's great. It's going to be a wonderful discussion, actually. I've been really looking forward to this because um, uh, there's a lot in this that actually not many people talk about in the context of diversity and inclusion. But I'm really keen to find out what you've been up to, what you're focused on. So, Carol, let me come to you first of all, if I may. Um, Keen to think about what's your focus for 2020 and has that changed a bit of, of late? So the years that my focus started out with um, my my book and just getting the message out there about introvert bias and what it is and how it exists in the corporate environment. And so I was sort of going full throttle with that and then lockdown came and that kind of put a, not a halt on things, but it sort of slowed that aspect of it down. But then of more recent weeks, things are starting to pick up a bit, but there's a, a bit more emphasis on I guess people getting through the lockdown and then also uh, people thinking about what next, what's going to be happening after and sort of looking at what they can be doing after and how, you know, the world of work may be changing and how people can best approach that and manage that. And I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because right now we are recording this episode during lockdown, but likely it's airing uh, as people are emerging from lockdown. So it'll be very interesting to see how the world of work is, is really shifting as well. And um, and I'd love, love to come back to you later on in terms of you know what this means for introverted professionals, whether this is a joyful time or has been a joyful time, whether it's right full of opportunity or anything we should be really mindful of as well. Um, and Rosie, how about you? So focus for 2020? Well, Julia, my role and aspect is our commercial and product strategy, but I sit on the board as well. And I take a lot of my time looking after our people. That includes our corporate and social responsibility initiatives, which also includes diversity and inclusion as well. Um, We'll come on later to talk about the apprenticeship scheme, but that's something that we're very passionate about. 
And I don't think lockdown has changed any of our objectives per se. We're still engaged with investors. We're still raising assets, albeit we're having to try and find very different ways of doing business at the moment as we've shifted to this new world of, of remote working. But I think the one consistent thing is that is that I would have said that we have much more focus at the moment on our employees, um, including our apprentices, of whom we have six, out of a workforce of 125. And really ensuring that those employees, especially the young ones, um, are looking after their mental health, looking after their physical health during this lockdown time, and that we're doing everything we can to support them in that. Wonderful. And I'm sure there's some great ideas there that or, that listeners should be thinking about for their organisations. And and actually, we had a little mini series where we, we talked about managing the mental health of remote teams, because this is an incredibly important time. Um, but Carol, let, let me let me come back to you. I mean, your, your book, just to repeat the title, Quietly Visible, Leading with Influence and Impact as an Introverted Woman. It talks there about, a lot about the misconceptions about introverts and particularly, as I say, introverted women as well. It's hard to summarise a book in, in a matter of minutes but just if you, so, some things that really kind of came out for you and some observations the listeners should bear in mind so um a, a lot of it was about the misconceptions about what introversion is um it's surprising that you know even today people still have um misconceptions about introversion thinking introvert all introverts are shy they lack confidence they don't like speaking in public and that sort of thing but those could equally apply to extroverted people as well and you know, I found that the corporate environment is very much geared towards extroverted uh, types. A lot of the work practices are are geared for more for the style of somebody who is extroverted. So things like interviews, meetings, brainstorming, open plan offices don't are not don't necessarily create an environment which allows an introverted person to be at their best. The style of introverts we typically like to think and reflect before we speak things like interviews meetings there's a lot of on-the-spot decisions a lot of on-the-spot thinking that has to be made which isn't ne- always necessary and I think that organizations could look at their practices and look at how they can make them more introvert friendly and another thing which was quite um stark for me as well was the confirmation bias for introverted women um, and men as well because I had men approach me and tell me about their experiences because of the misconceptions that have been people have been brought up for into a, a lot of the women who I interviewed for my book a lot of the women who I've coached they have experienced self-doubt because they're trying to be something that they're not and it is that classic thing, isn't it, in the city where perhaps, you know, your mind naturally goes to an alpha male or female style of leadership and, and people you know, make great common judgments, assumptions, misassumptions uh, about leaders being, you know, those with alpha type personalities tend to be great leaders. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on, um, you know, first of all, is that true in terms of do uh, alpha personalities make great leaders and what about the introverts? But then also to what degree the world is wakening up to, to harnessing the potential of more introverted leaders as well? Um, I, I, don't necess- I don't think that extroverts necessarily make great leaders or, or when I say great leaders, better leaders than introverts. We only have to look at some of our world leaders um, without sort of mentioning names. And tempting though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
and I, I think that we do, we do need balance. I do think that, um, we do need people who can be sociable and out there, but we also need people that are able to adapt their, their style. I think we need leaders who are self-aware and so that they are aware of how their behavior impacts on other people, that they're emotionally intelligent. So they know when to adapt their style and their behavior in order to get the best outcome of the situation. And I think that's in respect of both introverted leaders and extroverted leaders, but you know, we never hear people saying, oh, an extrovert needs to act more introverted. But we always hear that introverts need to act more extroverted. But sometimes extroverted leaders could do well to rein things in a bit and be a bit more introverted, listen more, observe more before they sort of speak. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you, you mentioned the words, the words uh, about being, you know, obviously self awareness, but also emotional mm-hmm. intelligence. And and now the, you know, the world has very much moved towards, and that's that's really, you know, not not just in the circumstances we're in now, but certainly if you look at effective leadership coaching models, about the importance of empathy and emotional intelligence, and even the conversation about vulnerability. And uh, and therefore, I would imagine that they are natural behaviours and uh, personality types of introverts that, can, that have the potential to do exceptionally well. And, and yes, and when I was doing my research, those were some of the things that I found that introverts do tend to um, be able to empathise more. Uh, introverts are typically well known for being good listeners. Um, and that is a key component of empathizing someone is being able to listen, not not just listen. Often we listen, but we're not listening. So we're just listening and we're speaking for somebody or or trying to finish their sentences for them. But listening and actually listening to what not just what that person is saying, but observing what their behaviors or their their nonverbal communication as well. And list, introverts are typically known as being good listeners. Well, I'd love to come back to so a little bit later in the show about, you know, in, in, in the circumstances where I mean, we're recording this over a platform, you know, we're actually not sitting physically in the same room. And the, the impact of technologies has in helping introverts find their voice. Uh, when actually some people are saying to me, this is a great leveler, actually, the, 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 this current working model, which means that we do get to hear voices that we wouldn't naturally have heard before, but also uh, does put an onus on people to still have the confidence and the uh, personality type to want to step forward. So uh, we'll come back to that later on for sure. Uh, but I'm very keen to hear from Rosie because you were talking there about your apprenticeship um, schemes. And I know you've, you've been very proactive in, in finding apprenticeships. And, and often, you know, it's one of those um, sort of employee categories that people will nod along to and go, yes, 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 we should really think about apprenticeships. But you've taken this incredibly seriously. Love to hear uh, the rationale, really, and some examples of your your programme success. Yeah, I mean, Julia, it's something that we're deeply passionate about. um, And it's been a great success for us. I mean, in terms of the rationale, you know, it's the right thing to do from a societal perspective also. um, But, you know, our view is that Having a diverse workforce is essential um, in making better decisions. You need diversity of thought, diversity of decision making. Um, we really try to avoid groupthink and aspect, and, and ultimately that ought to result in better outcomes for our investors. Um, I think research in the venture capital industry has actually shown that the more homogenous a firm's partners are, the lower 
the firm's investment performances. That was quite an interesting statistic that came out of the 2019 AMA report on diversity and inclusion. Um, but the apprenticeship levy was put in place in 2017, um, and we actually embraced that. And since then, we've hired nine apprentices into our business across a whole range of different functions. And it's been really, really successful. So we've had one permanent employee from the first round of apprentices. Six of them are with us right now. We have one working towards a cybersecurity degree, two others working towards a professional qualification like the IMC and all of the others um, in, in training. And it's really encouraging to see the way that they're growing and thriving and flourishing with us. But as a business, it's, it's not just that they're there day to day helping us. As an organization, we've hugely benefited as well in other ways. So. These people are straight out of school. They have fresh perspectives. They're incredibly smart. They're enthusiastic. Their eagerness to learn is, is contagious. Um, and we've really benefited from that sort of injection of a fresh enthusiasm as a business. And, you know, the world is ever changing around us, no more so than, than now. And I think that to be well equipped for the future, we have to have the sort of innovative thinkers and those fresh perspectives that, that, that our apprentices have, have brought to us. And I think one of the things that I've been so encouraged about is that. They're treated exactly the same way as any other employee at Aspect. They benefit from all of the employee benefit schemes. They can have share options in the company. They're entitled to discretionary bonuses. They've really been integrated into the workforce. There's no sort of them and us divide. Um, and there's no doubt that the, the, the suite of apprentices we've introduced into the business are more diverse than our, than our current employee group. So, again, we can see over time how that will impact us to make our workforce more diverse and, and to make it more inclusive. So from our perspective, it's been an unrounding, unrounding success. And where do you find the talent from? How do you go? Do you have uh, advisors around you help you find that talent or do you go into the, the schools yourselves and, and find them? Yeah, we do do a fair bit of schools outreach, but that's sort of slightly different objective in mind. That's more the sort of grassroots initiatives to encourage school aged uh, individuals to come into the financial services industry as a whole. But for actually sourcing our apprentices, we work with a range of organisations. Um, we work predominantly with White Hat, but there are also other groups um, like notgoingtouni.com. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really where we, we get our people from. And White Hat in particular are excellent at helping us to match candidates with our business and with our roles. They also provide training too. Um, and they crucially give the apprentices the coaching skills that they might need to uh, succeed in what is essentially a quasi-interview situation. They help try and level the playing field to overcome perhaps people who've you know, never had to do a job interview to, to overcome those concerns around that, those introverts, you know, they hope to try and give them some of the skills, as I say, to level that playing field and, and help them project themselves in, in the best fashion possible. And you mentioned there about it's, it's a wonderful way of thinking about the diversity mix in the organisation and bringing them through uh, at an early age in many ways. I'm curious to know, are there any diversity groups that you've been challenged to reach? Yes, that there are. I've said that I can probably summarise into two two different categories. I think actually geographically there are some challenges. So a lot of the organisations that we work with only uh, take on apprentices who live either in London or within a close radius. The idea being that ideally they still live at home. And like many other financial services organisations, we still try to struggle to attract females in, into STEM roles, and that's even the case actually down at the, the apprenticeship level as well. So those are two challenges that we have in terms of overcoming those. 
We obviously try to make our job specs, you know, as technical free as possible. And again, we do a lot of grassroots work with groups like the STEM Skills Fund who um, sponsor girls in schools to stick with subjects like maths and physics all the way through to A-level. So we engage with the STEM Skills Fund and we work with local schools really just to encourage females to, to hang on in there and not lose sight of the fact that there are some really interesting careers at the end of, 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 of those studies. But those are probably two of the challenges we find most frequently. And I, and I think the conversation around technology is probably a really neat pivot to come back to you, uh, Carol, thinking with the conversation we, we were sort of alluding to earlier about, uh, first of all, you know, we live in a time where everybody has to embrace technology anyway. Um, and whether or not this is proving to be a great time for introverts in terms of how they engage with the workforces, or are they finding that a much more challenging time? Uh, a lot of I'm actually en- enjoying the remote working because being able to work from home, remote working, a lot of actually enjoying that. But then there is a, a danger that because people, some people will assume because someone is introverted, they're okay being on their own. And generally, yes. They tend to like alone time, but being on your own and having too much alone time, if you're not having other human interaction, can actually lead to loneliness. And that, you know, leaders do need to be mindful of that if they've got remote teams, that they're not just thinking because someone is introverted, they're happy being on their own, but um, that you know, making sure that they are looking after their well-being. And it's a, it is an interesting time because I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, I was saying perhaps a bit earlier about thinking about the mental health of remote working teams and sort of putting ourselves in the mind of a, a young apprentice who may well be, you know, uh, working at home, uh, working and living at home. You know, this is a very unusual time. Uh, and then also thinking about the mental health of of employees, uh, whatever their personality type as well. And and I would mind just taking a little bit of time, just kind of think about as we're coming out of lockdown, and however that's going to work, is um, you know kind of what what's changed organisationally as well. Rosie, I'm going to come to you first of all with your thoughts on this, and and what leaders need to particularly paying attention to when they're engaging with different personality types and also particularly, you know, is it something you're thinking about with the apprenticeships as apprentices as well? Yeah, it is. It is very much so, Gina. I think during this period, we've been very careful to make sure that we're actually having sort of one-in-one check-ins with all of our employees, including the apprentices, on a regular basis. Um, that, that's sort of the HR team, me, and, and a whole range of us just making calls to make sure people are okay. Um, you, you, I think that it's important to make sure that people are supported and and being being well looked after and i think also it'd be interesting to see as we emerge out on the other side are people's working patterns going to going to change and i don't think that's any different for our apprentices to to our broad range of, of, of employees as well um it may well be that a lot of them actually want to work from home a lot more a lot of them realize that they are more productive when they can work from home and actually that team-based atmosphere perhaps for some of the more introverted people can actually be quite a distraction can be something they struggle to engage with more so i think that we will be looking at a lot more people hot desking a lot more people spending time at home and i think that will become more broadly accepted perhaps in a way that it hasn't been before um i think you know we've gone through periods of working home from home hasn't been as well received um and i think that's something that will very much change as we emerge out of this this lockdown period mm-hmm. and carol i was saying at the beginning in your introduction that you work with both kind of corporates and individuals and i'm wondering when, when you're talking to and you're doing your coaching with uh with with execs 
is, you know, what people are thinking about in terms of how they re-enter a workplace that is actually potentially going to change quite significantly. And, and your thoughts on what will change and, and how um, this will uh, engage with introverts in possibly a different way. Um, as Rosie said, I think that it, think there's going to be a lot more flexible and remote working. A lot of organisations who particularly didn't think that the nature of their work was possible to be done remotely have been forced to um, have, let their employees work remotely. Um, it's worked. There's, and there's been those organisations who have been a bit worried about whether employees would be productive working remotely. Again, they're seeing that that has worked. And I think going forward, there will be a lot more of that to the extent where organisations may even be looking at their, their their office space, their buildings. Do they need such large buildings? Do they need such large office space? Will they be downsizing their buildings because there'll be more remote working? I, I think this has the capacity to change things completely. So I think that's a wonderful moment to turn to Cynthia and ask her for some research to support today's discussion. The Corporate Finance Institute has five top tips for introverts starting a new job. Number one, be early. Getting to the office early offers several benefits, especially for introverts. One is that you have an opportunity to become comfortable in your new space and surroundings. Two, prepare your introduction. You will definitely be asked to introduce yourself on the spot. Three, take it slow. If joining a large group for lunch or after work activities seems daunting, go with a smaller group instead. Four, you don't always have to say yes. As a new employee, you may feel like you have to say yes to every invite from one of your colleagues. Of course, you want to make a good impression and not be seen as unfriendly. But remember, that doesn't mean you have to say yes all the time. And five, Share the work style that you want. You can say something early on to your co-workers about your preferred work style. For example, you might mention that you prefer one-on-one conversations and that you tend to stay quiet during meetings. This is a way to clue your co-workers in on your introverted nature and they will probably appreciate you letting them know how best to interact with you. Keep in mind that when you start a new job, it's not just you who has to learn how to adjust to your new colleagues. They also have to learn how to adjust to you. Thanks, Cynthia. And links to the research can be found on our website, www.diversitypodcast.com. And don't forget that's diversity with a C, not with an S. Diversitypodcast.com, where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Please do follow us on Twitter at DiversityPod. And Diversity Podcast is available on Brightstalk and all good podcast channels. We'd love a rating because it all helps to promote the show. It's been a wonderful conversation. And, you know, I've been having some really fascinating conversations with people. I was very proud at the beginning of the year to be hosting an event with City AM. They have what they call the City AM Club, and we run their events well, in the days when we could actually meet in person, uh, or about it's called the uh, City AM Club Decodes Diversity Series. And one of the conversations was about um, we have to talk about race. And there was a fascinating comment that came out of that about the fact that diversity and inclusion should very much sit in the context, the commercial context and the investment context of ESG, environmental, social 
and governance, which I thought was really fascinating because it, the, the argument was that it sits within the social and it sits within the governance. And Rosie, at the beginning of the of the, um, of the interview, you were saying that you know the CSR, the corporate social responsibility dynamic, is really important for aspect capital. I love your thoughts on, does that feel right to you that it should sit under ESG? It, it absolutely does, Julia. I, I think it's it's very relevant. And actually, whether or not I think it's right, our investors and prospective investors are very much putting it into, into that bucket. And I would have said it's something that comes up in almost every investor conversation now. You know, what is it you are doing as a firm from a diversity and inclusion perspective? Almost every due diligence questionnaire or RFP that I will answer will have a detailed section on, on D&I. And this isn't just a box checking exercise. It's real for investors. And they are increasingly starting to select managers based on one of the factors will be how valid are their diversity and inclusion efforts? How real and legitimate are they? And how successful is the manager in, in acquitting itself in, in that regard? So there's real scrutiny at the moment, and, and rightly so. And it's incumbent, I think, on investors to keep up the pressure on their investment managers in that regard, because that is how real change will be forged in the industry. And isn't it fascinating that the questions even go so far as, you know, how valid and how real, you know, this is. So this is no longer, as you say, box ticking and, and you know, kind of marketing brochureware. This is this has to be really embedded in the, in the organisation. Um, I'm really fascinated your thoughts on, um, in fact, Carol, I'll, I'll come to you next on this, but we're about to go into arguably, I don't want to be the doomsayer, but we're about to go into a huge economic downturn. You know, we had to face reality on that. And we're really interested in why diversity and inclusion should remain high on the agenda as we go into this 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 next phase. I love your thoughts on that. And then, then Rosie, I'll come back to you from an investment point of view as well. Yes. So, um, you know, I think that it needs to be high on the agenda because organisations need to be representative of the people that they serve. Um, my concern is that going through the economic downturn is will it slip on the agenda as other things take priority. That is a concern of mine that some organisations, I mean, it, it sounds great what um, Rose is saying about what's happening um, at her organisation and how investors are insisting that it is part of, um, you know, what they do. But there are a lot of organisations where I don't feel so confident that that will be the case. And, and can you give us a couple of compelling reasons why it should stay at the top of the agenda or high on the agenda? Because we've made little progress. Um, In the big scheme of things, we've made little progress. We've made some progress, particularly around gender. Not sufficient. We've still got a way to go. But when it comes to other uh, diverse groups, um, particularly when it comes to ethnic minorities, there is still a very long way to go. And if you look at the makeup of our population, a lot of organisations their their senior leadership teams, their boards don't represent that. And and Rosie, you were to talk about sort of commercial compelling reasons for it to stay high as well. And it's it's an interesting sort of Carol's perspective about, you know, kind of um the importance of having these initiatives because actually the world has not shifted. And you talk about the reasons why it must remain high because of the commercial imperative around that as well, which is, and both are incredibly important as well. Um, other, other reasons that you, you might have on your list for staying high? And then, and then we're going to wrap up the show with your thoughts on, you know, what are you really optimistic about as well? I mean, I'd echo everything Carol said in terms of the, the reasons why we mustn't allow the current crisis to to divert or distract from our diversity and social mobility agenda. And I think that's all the more so in, in a world where, 
you know, young people may be turning away from university given concerns around the cost, and they're going to need other options for further education and getting into the workplace so they can start earning. So I'd, I'd very much echo everything Carol has said. And it's essential that, that organisations like mine keep going with the grassroots work and educate and, and break down these sort of perceptions of, of the world of finance being exclusively elitist. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is it is a risk which we end up having kind of group think that we're going to end up, you know, with, with similar outcomes. And I and I think it's wonderfully refreshing to have, you know, apprentices coming into the organization and adding, you know, fresh perspectives as well. And and you know, Carol, the more I talk to business leaders, uh, the more it feels to me like people are really valuing the importance of having somebody at the table who is quieter arguably. Now, I don't make an assumption that an introvert is necessarily quiet because that's actually not necessarily the case as well. And I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on, you know, again, from your perspective, having written this book and and, and your work with coaching uh, w- women who describe themselves as introverted, is what are you really optimistic about as we look ahead? Um, I'm optimistic that as, as a result of what we've, we're going through at the moment, it's an opportunity. It's, it's been a chance for a lot of people to pause and to reflect about what is what is important, what really matters. And I'm very optimistic about the future going forward because it's an opportunity to do things differently. I've seen a lot of great initiatives come about as a result of going through the lockdown. We've seen more of a community spirit. There's, um, communities have come together to support each other. We've had more of a collective. I think our society had become quite individualistic where it's every man for himself. But I think one of the lessons from this is that we do need each other. Um, and I think that that is something that we can bring into the way that we work going forward is that that community, that connection that we do need each other. It's incredibly important, isn't it? It is a it is a fascinating time to be having this conversation. I can't tell you how grateful I am, both of you, to have dialed in to this platform that we're using and to be able to continue the podcast and continue the discussion at a time where it feels as as important now, if not more so, uh, as as we look ahead. It is extraordinary times when the future of work is almost kind of being played out in front of us. Rosie and Carol, thank you both so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it, uh, and thank you for, as always to all our listeners at Diversity Podcast. Thank you very much, Julia. Thank you, Julia. I've really enjoyed the discussion. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsania for her insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. It really helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.